0: Hi, so welcome to another episode of Fintech Friday podcast and we have a a very young guest today uh, Abhinav and uh, Abhinav deals with some of the interesting aspects of fintech uh, in the new world which relate to blockchain and blockchain infrastructure for a variety of things, not necessarily the currency aspect, uh, but we will we'll get to that. Uh, let's first start with uh, hearing a little bit of uh, Abhinav's story. What uh, So if you can, Abhinav, introduce yourself, what you are up to and how did you come to where you are?
1: Sure. Thanks, Sanjay. Yeah. So uh, basically, uh, I uh, worked as a CSIR fellow, Council of Scientific and Industrial Research fellow for about uh, one and a half years. Mm-hmm. After which uh, I kind of switched to the corporate life, uh, moved into Ernst Young, where I worked on various aspects around the supply chain, uh, creating ground up supply chain, demand forecasting tools, and the supply chain sales and operations planning tools for uh, large FMCG companies as part of my role as Ernst & Young and then uh, through that journey I saw you know a lot of new technologies experienced a lot of new technologies and saw that there was a lot of um, kind of uh, interest around or initial interest, at least, around blockchain. So I uh, then uh, quit my job at Onsenia. I experimented, uh, I mean, we did some uh, quite a bit of work around the uh, initially around the uh, cryptocurrency side as well on blockchain and then moved into looking at how enterprise use cases can be enabled uh, using blockchain technology. Uh, I've been working within the India's gold industry for quite some time, uh, for almost two years now. Uh, I mean, sorry, almost three years now and uh, kind of looked at how we can do a a traceability, a transaction um, traceability tool, transaction traceability platform for the gold industry. And uh, we just launched a platform with NSE called the NSE Shine Bullion Blockchain System, which was inaugurated by uh, Mr. Sundarshan, who was the executive director at SEBI as well so uh, kind of resulted in that uh, over the three years of work and now looking at various aspects around blockchain and enterprise use cases around the gold industry commodities um, industry as well.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. No well, that's a very nice uh, brief uh, summary uh, supply chain and then uh, you said before that CSIR so so somewhat more hardcore science I guess right in some sense and, uh, and then technology yeah, yeah, it is pure the, science. Yeah, yeah that's a very interesting uh, journey i do want to understand and have you walk the readers through you know typically what does supply chain mean and what does supply chain traceability why is that important uh, and in the specific context of uh, gold which you talked about which you've been working on uh, as well as generally whether it's expandable to other areas but before that uh, you know one obvious question which comes to my mind is uh, you mentioned that you did experiment with cryptocurrencies a bit and then sort of uh, switched over to the uh, blockchain applications if i could call it in businesses in some sense so in a way b2c versus b2b uh, b2c world is is very very uh, sort of glamorous right the cryptocurrencies uh, whether uh, I don't know when you first heard of uh, Satoshi uh, at what point of time but uh, you know how their entire ecosystem is developed and then you know the other frameworks apart from Bitcoin and then now a more sort of tacit acceptance of all that through the Coinbase listing and so on and so forth so it seems that that is still a very very big area which is still starting and uh, in some sense, while controversial, also very uh, laden with opportunities, if one could call, as well as risk. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. How and why did you switch yes. from that to a sort of a more uh, B2B uh, world of, uh, you know, gold or supply chain related blockchain uh, implementations? Is Was there any fundamental uh, sort of ideological choice or was it more business and economics type uh, view?
1: Uh, it was a bit of both, actually. Um, so kind of uh, not switched completely. I mean, since we are kind of entrepreneurs, always look for kind of opportunities, um, depending on, uh, say, uh, the regulatory frameworks or depending on a bunch of different things. Uh, we saw a good application within the gold industry, to be honest. Uh, we saw ability to make an entire change across the entire supply chain, kind of looking at the mining to market, value to every part so we had written a long uh, white paper as well on that almost uh, like a 45 page white paper and uh, on the crypto side as well you know we've done projects for multiple uh, clients currently also working on uh, you know just experimenting quite a bit around uh, the crypto side as well because the technology is quite uh, moving at a real breakneck pace and uh, you know with growth of uh, these nfts we see uh, new tech innovations or Ts as well which is growing quite fast uh, so uh, I mean because we always looked at good long-term products that we could build which can make a difference across the entire value chain we thought uh, looking at the uh, traceability for the gold industry was something we could look at. And also a traceability in general, which could be, say, uh, expanded to things like uh, organic food traceability, expanded to things like uh, sustainability link traceability. And we've worked with a partner for that as well for almost two years now, one of the largest waste management companies in India. So hence kind of looked at, only, uh, looked at large platforms that we think could benefit or could impact uh, multiple participants in the value chain, as well as done quite. A, or, I mean, doing also quite a few experiments on the public blockchain side, be it crypto or non-crypto, but being uh, a public blockchain-based uh, experiments.
0: Right, right. So I, I, I guess I, I, I must say that uh, you, you kind of uh, avoided uh, sort of giving out any any kind of an answer, which closes any doors for you, which is a mark of a true inter- entrepreneur, but at the same time alluded to maybe somewhat more regulatory comfort on the B2B uh, side uh, in some sense while keeping options open for NFT and other newer kids on the block which probably bring both together maybe and we can we can talk about that a bit more a bit later. but yeah, that was that was fantastic to hear. For a lay person who's listening to this, can you kind of uh, dig into the gold supply chain traceability a little bit more in granular detail and how the uh, blockchain application that you're working on helps for for what use case?
1: Sure. Uh, so basically, supply chain traceability as in uh, you know think of uh, say organic food, packaged food, or packaged organic product that you're purchasing, if you could see, say, a QR code on that product and be able to scan that and actually view the organic certifications for that product, view uh, around geolocation where that product came from, say, independent uh, lab testing reports for a batch of that product that was produced from an independent, uh, you know, a food safety or food testing lab and uh, view some details around that and give that kind of, uh, build that kind of trust to the customer. Uh, that's where uh, the uh, uh, traceability becomes very useful. It can, I mean, it's useful for, say, the gold industry to prove uh, responsible sourcing or to look at details around responsible sourcing, quality, authenticity around organic food to look at, again, authenticity and, uh, you know, geolocation to a large extent fake uh, product, but it's a genuine authentic product. And even luxury goods, you know, the say a single malt whiskey, for example, or uh, uh, champagne from a certain location in France, things like geolocation, knowing that this is the authentic product. All of that becomes very useful and important. But blockchain probably alone is not sufficient for that. You need some kind of a layer to connect the physical product with the digital Blockchain system, which is where things like IoT sensors, uh, if you want to measure the quality of, say, uh, meat that is uh, traveling between countries or even within a country, you want to ensure that it's maintained at four degrees Celsius, for example. If you want to ensure that cold chain logistics is actually maintained across the value chain, if you want to ensure that uh, the product, that final product that you're selling, which is, say, a high end retail product, Uh, if there's, say, an NFC tag or a chip attached to that product and people can scan that and view its authenticity. But knowing that that chip cannot be tampered or modified in any way, the ID on the chip cannot be tampered or modified, even though probably the chip can be removed, in which case, you know, you would question the authenticity of the product. So um, that's what we mean when we talk about supply chain traceability, that is uh, trying to look at the history or the journey of a product and be able to uh, be able to, Communicate that to investors, shareholders, customers to showcase uh, source, to showcase authenticity, purity, quality, sustainability framework as well associated with that product, uh, which is now a company. So, how do you have a product and have the blockchain as a digital layer to ensure that at least you have a guarantee, or not a guarantee, I mean, certain level of guarantee that the data that you are viewing is not tampered or modified in any way and you can view the data right up to from the point of origin of the product right up to the point at which it was produced. Uh, uh, This would make a lot of sense for, like I said, high-end retail, uh, pharma, things like uh, meat, a few commodities it might be difficult to track up to the source uh, because the commodities get mixed when it's uh, being processed however uh, to some extent it can provide some level of traceability
0: sure sure so i think uh, the the idea that you can uh in the world that we live today we don't know what we eat or uh, you know the product that we see how many stages it travels through and what kind of quality checks happen uh a- across the maybe 50 100 layers of change so is very very critical and important and uh, that's how I guess trust is established in the right products and differentiate the the sort of separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. But just making it slightly bit technical, would you say that uh, providing that end-to-end uh, visibility is uh, impossible to do in a centralized uh, system or is it more costly to do in centralized system or is it less uh, trustworthy or uh, uh, likely to be uh, open to the risk of uh, you know any edits or cancels so to speak Uh, what is the reason to look at a a blockchain uh, for specifically for these things
1: I would say the trust aspect does make sense. Of course, it can be done on a centralized system, no doubt about it. It possibly could be done just as efficiently. But the trust aspect where at least you know that for, uh, kind of you could look at it as a connected ERP. You know, Multiple parties are connected to, where right now ERP is a siloed uh, implementation in a single organization, whereas blockchain can be looked at a little more as a connected ERP where, you know, for example, you track the authenticity of a product or you track the, journey or where the product is in the supply chain and this can be communicated to say uh, banks for uh, say uh, short-term financing based on uh, uh, you know based on goods receivables oh, sorry based on uh, you know invoices etc so you need to uh, it can provide that additional layer of trust where you know that you know if data is at least if you're connecting the physical say with the digital or you're having multiple participants input data into the single kind of distributed database, and uh, if you have, uh, say, any kind of sensors that directly integrate with the blockchain and does not need any human interference in between, then you do see a much more trusted form of data that uh, is little more difficult to get from a centralized system, though not impossible, but I feel there is a delta benefit to... Uh...
0: Sure, sure. So, no, no, I, I completely agree and understand uh, that uh, uh, effectively we are talking about... Uh, call it a shared ledger in some sense where uh, each party has has a page to sort of update uh, but one party can't change another party's entries right so to speak and maybe there is some sort of uh, uh, also privacy uh, aspects where uh, parties which are dealing with each other don't want each other to know their full details except what is relevant for the purpose of the transaction let's say a quality or, or the sourcing uh, you know parameters yep. rather than yeah. price or other things which may be your margins or profits which which may not be what should be there in the in in the public network in some sense it, it's like a shared ledger with certain uh, see-through uh, aspect of uh, correct correct key uh, you know sort of metrics, while other things, which are not necessary uh, to be put on a public uh, ledger, are are uh, which could have gone into a centralized ledger in the full way, because if everything was centralized, you do have the ability to keep those uh, private parts, uh, in some sense, out uh, without compromising the trust. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 You can kind of hide certain aspects. What would be needed and encrypt with, say, a public key and uh, only have certain persons with the private key to be able to decrypt that.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sure, sure. And then maybe can you talk through a little bit about uh, uh, the public and private blockchains and where do you see the uses of each, especially in the context of uh, finance? Maybe slight bit of technical detail is also okay.
1: Okay. Uh, So I think, um, of course, public blockchain, uh, the largest being Ethereum and now, of course, you have Solana, Polygon, uh, Avalanche, Agurant, and a bunch of other uh, blockchains that have come up. Uh, public blockchains, uh, mostly, you could say, look, are kind of associated with some kind of cryptocurrency or the other, but they do have a kind of lot of utility in the sense the data can be publicly verified by uh, anyone in the world who has access to to say, an internet connection, And the advantage of a private system is that you do not want everybody a permission ledger and so need to have access to this data. You do not want to be paying, say, a gas fee or you do not want to be paying a transaction fee for doing an action that, you know... The, Actually, it does not have any consequence in the finance world. Uh, say, I want to um, record that I have received a certain uh, package of logistics and I am uh, now uh, shipping it to the retailer. Now, this does not need to go into a uh, kind of a full public blockchain. You know, you end up paying even, say, 50 cents to a dollar of gas fees is completely not needed. As in, there's no value add to doing that. Whereas, if you can... To private permission ledger say the sees that okay they uh, uh, receive but the, the permission ledger makes a lot of uh, makes more sense in that case however you have uh, these layer 2 solutions which have very very low um, kind of transaction fees and if you do need to prove say to the end customer that you know I have here are my organic specifications, I have it on a public ledger so, even uh, the participants, uh, yeah, you can still, uh, as a customer, I can go to a public ledger and view it. There could be certainly some value there, but it being a layer two and, you know, you have very, almost negligible gas fees, say, fractions of a cent or even lower than that is where I think uh, that would make sense. Uh, kind of combining the benefits of a permission ledger, combining that with a uh, public blockchain and, you uh, uh, yeah permission blockchains you could look at of course uh, the large ones hyperledger you have r3 corda um, you have multiple other blockchains also that have a version of their own private system so you could create a private system out of the ethereum network out of eos uh, you know all the code is open source so you can get only have certain uh, people have access to creating nodes and we uh, or create a proof of authority-based consensus and have worry certain people have access to that data. So there are multiple ways to look at both permission private uh, as well as public, as well as layer two, which I would think would be slightly mix of the two. So I think there is benefits to all of them um, uh, in different settings, different use cases. Coming to finance, of course, you have decentralized finance or DeFi, which is a very uh, hot term in the crypto market right now. Uh, You have uh, uh, the Bank of International Settlements, I think, is doing a pilot around how blockchain can aid in uh, providing transparency and traceability to green bonds and how you can view the greenness of the bond using blockchain. After that, you have uh, how, um, uh, you have, of course, IMF looking at central bank digital currencies, which is a large uh, application. You have a lot of... Trade lens, I think, by Mask and IBM is a large trade finance-based platform to make the entire uh, trade finance life cycle. Uh, you have multiple like, such examples where, of course, you have Ripple, which which could enable, uh, you know, which is a competitor. You could look at it as a competitor to Swift, which can make cross-border transactions or remittances much uh, lower cost and quicker. So you have multiple uh, applications within both the private Blockchain, where you have uh, you know things like trade lens as well as Bank of International Settlements, as well as public blockchain. Of course, you have a uh, decentralized finance, you have which run on right now. I think over 20-30 blockchains, with a lot of the decentralized finance applications. Of course, uh, uh, Bitcoin, and uh, you have uh, cryptocurrency exchanges. So there are multiple kind of applications on the public side as well. So I see you know that of course finance is the First one that has adopted blockchain in a uh, kind of in a large extent, you see supply chain logistics also kind of catching up uh, quite quickly, as well as uh, KYC uh, identity management, as well other applications that are coming up. Uh,
0: Sure. Like this Sochcast, tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. And and maybe talking about India in specific, uh, do you see Indian banks uh, and financial services companies being ready to adopt some of these things? And you know, would you hazard a guess on how things would be a couple of years down the line? Uh,
1: yeah, I think uh, you know, Indian few of the Indian banks have joined, uh, have created a consortium. Uh, I think uh, to create an NPA bank. Uh, or a bad bank, as they call it. I don't know if they're using blockchain or not, but there was some news that in 2018 or 19, they were looking at the blockchain system for that. A few Indian banks are part of, a, say, uh, are part of the kind of triple consortium. A couple of Indian banks have done a trade finance uh, pilots on using blockchain. Apart from that, I do not know too many kind of larger scale applications that Indian banks have participated in uh, especially with respect to blockchain but I think that would change quite soon uh, uh, you know with the changing uh, regulatory landscape with the um, banks also with things like central bank digital currencies, which could be one of the first things that could be adopted as a pilot a uh, few of the Indian banks and a uh, few other blockchain applications coming out such as uh, identity management trade finance based uh, to lend with the more credible data that they can view across the value chain so supply chain finance could be something that uh, would be looked at from a blockchain perspective it hasn't been uh as per my knowledge not been done in a large kind of extent by indian banks other than a uh, few pilots but uh, i think next two years could change it quite a bit because of increased global acceptance as well of blockchain multiple global banks adopting blockchain whether it is uh um of of late i think just today i think mastercard announced that it would offer uh, uh you know say even cryptocurrency services to all its vendors or allow its vendors to offer cryptocurrency services to its to their customers uh multiple US banks looking at uh, blockchain for either offering kind of crypto custody or uh, crypto as an asset class or also offering um, uh, things or kind of experimenting with uh, cross-border trade or cross-border remittances. So I think that the, and uh, like I said, Bank of International Settlements using blockchain for green bonds. I think that uh, kind of experimentation will start uh, quite soon within the Indian context as well.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah and I think work that you're doing for example on the gold uh, supply chain traceability side will certainly help banks uh, in the area of uh, providing loans against that wholesale or uh, retail gold to understand what they have as collateral is is good right and uh, and that the same logic can be extended to agriculture warehouse finance and mm. so on and so forth where yes. they today have no clue about uh, how to really understand the yeah. asset quality or collateral quality and so on
1: yes yes exactly exactly so with the gold traceability uh th- that would depend on the kind of uh, uh, regulatory changes that might that is happening actually very quickly very swiftly around the introduction of uh, the spot exchange for gold you know you could have uh, things like uh, bullion banking that might come in you know over the next five years where uh, banks also get quite uh, involved once you determine authenticity purity source quality of the gold uh, you can offer various services against that uh, of course there's a huge flux in terms of digital gold as well whether the bank should offer them or not and uh, the, the, there is a lot of kind of uh, flux around that but I would say yeah, it can be extended to any commodity where if banks need to provide financing against against an invoice for a product or against uh, you know, receivables, uh, it makes a lot of sense when you're looking at the data from a traceability solution uh, with blockchain, whether there are sensors involved or not. In either case, I think there is some value that gets added uh, by using a blockchain system.
0: Right, right. So looking at traceability, uh, and this is going to be the final question, Uh You know, one of the things, one of the unrelated application of this concept of traceability has been to things like digital art, right? Where, again, in a way, the original art has a certain huge premium and uh, there are fakes and then there could be reprints. And how do you kind of make sure that you have something which goes right to the heart of what was the original art, whether it was analog or digital or uh, the digital versions of analog? through the concept of NFTs right so uh, can you can you briefly talk about that and and we'll kind of end end with that as to you know what your view on NFTs is because that's like a very interesting asset class neither sort of cryptocurrencies nor sort of you know the B2B uh, blockchain applications in business it's somewhere in between there and kind of nascent so what's your views on that
1: yeah. yeah, I think uh, NFTs you know, have huge value when you're looking at things like licensing. So if I want to li- have uh, licenses for uh, say a video or as well as music, um, as well as digital art as well if it's or photos uh, that need to be say I want to take a photo from I want to reference another photo uh, say in a presentation I'm using. Uh, In this way, you know, I can just go to an NFT platform. NFT is a non-fungible token, which means each token is different from the other. I can go to an NFT platform and just like directly buy the license of that photo and put it into my presentation. So all that happens directly via the blockchain. 100% of the value goes to the creator. There is uh, no middleman. And uh, the creator gets benefited whether I'm putting a piece of music as a background score, on a short video that I'm making, uh, whether I'm making a presentation, there is a direct kind of communication between me as well as the creator through this kind of a trustless public blockchain system, which is where I think NFTs can have a lot of value. NFTs also tagged with the physical physical product also I see has a lot of value. If you uh, want to introduce a new uh, asset class or monetize something that uh, you say artifacts or say a painting you've made, um, antiques, If I want to, say, buy an antique in, um, say, Vietnam, for example, uh, I can go to the blockchain directly, kind of buy that digital version of that antique, knowing that that physical version is stored in, say, a vault in Vietnam. I may not want delivery of that, but I think, you know, in the next 10 years, this might kind of gain value. So I just want to hold it and, say, five years later, if I want delivery, I should be able to take that delivery with a service fee. Um, So for these physical products as well, I see it has a lot of value and uh, I think, uh, yeah, NFTs is kind of growing very quickly. It could kind of morph into looking at, uh, uh, I mean, I think Facebook just announced that they're investing a huge amount of uh, workforce and resources in something called the metaverse, which kind of is a digital version of yourself or you can create digital authors of yourself. And even there, NFTs have huge value. In gaming, NFTs have huge value where I can determine the limited edition of, say, uh, a shooting game that has a certain price and it is only a limited edition, only certain amount is available and I can kind of buy it through the blockchain. So uh, there is a lot of that uh, that aspect as well. So I think NFTs do have value in IP, uh, IP rights, uh, copyrights. Uh, we, rights to my video, rights to digital art, rights to photos, rights to music, uh, connected to a physical item. Also, NFTs have a lot of have. I think uh, can have is a very great co- is a very good concept on a blockchain system because there is direct communication with the creator. There is communication with the artist, um, and similarly for physical items, there is direct communication with the uh, owner as well, removing most of the middlemen other than the platform through which you interact. Uh, for interacting with that NFT. So I think NFTs do have a uh, great future ahead.
0: Great, great. Thanks, Abhinav. I think that was, uh, that was really fantastic. Uh, I hope the listeners have been able to sort of get a bird's eye view of the entire uh, world of blockchain as it relates to fintech uh, from uh, the public uh, blockchains, the cryptocurrency world, to the private permissioned uh, versions which are having going to have a lot of business applications, some of which uh, you are working on and best of luck to you for bringing those out quickly and then looking into the future of how all this uh, you know, digital trust continues uh, into a disintermediation of the existing systems in a range of uh, current world that we are so used to where there are a lot of intermediaries in and everything and, and leading to creator economy and and then to metaverse and so on and so forth. It seems to be a, a fantastic uh, joyride ahead of us for uh, or next uh, half a decade or so, at least from the looks of it. And, and uh, people like you are going to be important to keep showing uh, the the light uh, in this uh, in this kind of coming chaos. Uh, so thank you so much uh, once again uh, for this uh, interesting discussion. I hope we can bring you back at some stage Again, down the line, maybe six months, one year down the line to see how things are going and take a relook look at it. Uh, uh, but for now, thank thank you so much uh, for, for this uh, episode, Abhinav. Thanks so much, Sanjay. Thanks so much. Thanks for your time.